Welcome to the Labour Life Podcast, a podcast series by allstartshere.sg, a community-based platform where any Singaporeans can talk to a trained listener and genuinely share about their problems without any fear of judgement. In this podcast series, hosted by one of our Here Buds Magic Bowl, we hope to create meaningful conversations around mental health through the stories of Singaporeans, ordinary Singaporeans like you and me, but who struggled through the so-called labour life. In doing so, we hope to raise awareness of mental well-being and break down the stigma surrounding mental health. So, let's start here. Uh, This podcast is especially dedicated to find out more about the journey of those who have been labelled, so-called labelled due to their mental health issues. We will also be exploring the journeys of the different individuals living the labelled life and we hope to break the social stigma surrounding mental illness and the people who have them and are still recovering from them. And through this podcast, uh, we also want to change the public's negative perceptions towards people with mental health conditions. All right, so now let's focus uh, on our guest today. Uh, we have uh, Hunping, Pam and Daniel. So maybe, uh, Pam, you want to start first? Uh, probably tell us more about yourself. Hi, Hakim. Thanks for having me here. So I'm Pam. I am 37 uh, this year. I'm a mum. I'm currently uh, not working. In fact, I actually left my job uh, in March this year. Um, I'll share a bit more later. Yeah, so currently I'm taking, a, um, I'll say, mid-career break. So I volunteer as a hereabout since August. It's been like three months. I'm really enjoying it. And also I can see, uh, you know, the, the value we are bringing to to people. So uh, maybe, uh, Daniel, uh, what about you? Maybe you tell us more about yourself. Right. Hi, uh, my name is Daniel. Uh, I've been... Uh What's about me? Uh, well, I've been in the service industry for the past 11 years. Um, so during COVID, that was when I uh, started a career tr- uh, transition. So right now I'm a music educator. So so next, next uh, Hunping. <laughs> yeah. So what about you? T- tell us more about yourself uh, and, and, and something new in November. Okay. I'm Hunping. I'm 35, turning 36 in two weeks' time. Um, All right. So I'm also on a career, career break like Pam. Uh, before that, I was working as an organizational psychologist and a data scientist. Uh, so I actually stopped working from May this year to focus more on like mental health kind of outreach and writing on a blog and stuff. Um, so something new for November, I was struggling to think of one. Um, probably one thing will be will be our first time kind of meeting an MP next week. Uh-huh, so, okay. so so really trying to prepare that discussion and you know one of the topics to talk about. When you say MP, it's the member of parliament? Yeah, yeah. All right, not the military police, eh? No, no, that one. <laughs> Been there, done that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you, you, you said about uh, writing a blog. Mm. So uh, maybe if you want to, uh, you can maybe tell us more about your blog that you are writing or, or, or producing at the moment. Okay, uh, the blog is called Kaya Toast for the Soul. Um, it just shares a bit about, you know, mental health experiences as well as some, um, some, some, research from psychology and dealing with mental health uh, issues. Uh. So I started it around late last year. Um, it's, it's also, it's a mix of like writing on a blog as well as on an Instagram, publishing little posts about, you know, little mental health tips and what experiences are like, what stigma is about and things like that. Oh, all right, cool. 
So uh, maybe I- I'll just uh, continue with you, Hanping. Mm. Uh, you you are the one who mooted the idea of this uh, platform called It All Starts Here SG. So uh, uh, may- maybe uh, probably you can you can tell us more about this uh, listening platform that uh, or the the novel idea that uh, you have uh, introduced since uh, August. You said August. Uh, so maybe you can yeah. tell us more about that. Yeah. Okay. Um, I guess when I started writing the blog, right? Um, I did it. I did it late last year. It was actually more for myself because I just felt like I wanted to write. And um, actually, during that time, I was actually not enjoying work a lot. So this writing this blog was a bit of an outlet for me too. Um, I was actually telling my wife, like you know, when I started this blog, one of the things I was aiming for was to at least, at least help one person out there through writing. Um, but actually, surprisingly, like you know, posting on Instagram, writing on the blog received quite a few emails and letters from people who just want to share their stories. Um, you know, sometimes have a call as well to just talk. They just want to talk to someone, even though I'm not saying like, you know, I'm a therapist or anything like that, but they just wanted someone to get some support. Um, I guess the idea for It All Starts Here, SG, came about because I realized a lot of people actually just need that, need someone to confide in, you know, someone trustworthy who is a bit of an outsider outside of the circle sex outside the social circle and you know wouldn't judge them wouldn't give them advice that they don't want that kind of thing especially like you know this there's a theme about toxic positivity around right people like to tell you don't worry so much just think positive um you know why are you so anxious you know that kind of thing and i guess you know when when people talking to people like that and what what i hear from them is that our little talks have them feel more validated feel more supported and they also encouraged to go and seek for, you know, therapy and help like that. So I thought, yeah, why not? Why not kind of expand on that instead of just me doing it? Okay. And I spoke to everybody around here as well. Okay, you, you mentioned about toxic positivity. Mm-hmm. So maybe I'll just open it to all of you. Um, why why is that not good? Toxic positivity. positivity. <laughs> Sorry, it's kind of a mouthful. Toxic positivity. Yes. Mm-hmm. Maybe, uh, maybe Pam, you want to share something about that? Yeah, so I'm not sure whether you all have experience sharing with a friend. For example, you say, oh, you know, like, yeah, I just went through a breakup. Oh, I'm feeling really down. And they will say, you know, you will, you'll be okay. And uh, yeah, like uh, you'll be better after this breakup and uh, you'll move on. At that moment, you, you know what the person says is right. Like, yes, you will move on and you will probably find another person. But at that moment, you really want someone to feel with you the, the, the pain of the breakup. Yeah, they are not validating what they are going through at that moment. Yeah. Okay, that, that, that's, uh, that's what you describe as toxic positivity. So maybe because of this experience, so maybe what I, what I can ask is, uh, you know, since uh, you all are here, but and uh, maybe what you can tell me, what are your motivations being a volunteer uh, as Hearbutt and what you as a Hearbutt can contribute to the uh, those who, who wish to be listened to. Mm. Yeah, Pam, maybe you, you just continue with that. You know, feelings and emotions can be very overwhelming. If you go through it alone, it can be very detrimental like to your mental health, I find, because I, I went through it before. You know, by talking it out, the feelings become less overwhelming and less scary for you by just, you know, like uh, opening up and talking to someone about it. So that's why I really think, uh, you know, what we are doing, providing 
you know, relief to people who wants to talk to someone and wants, uh, you know, someone to really just listen to them, feel what they are, you know, empathize with what they are going through and just sit with them. That action alone is very therapeutic and yeah, it's, uh, it's very healing. Okay. Mm. So maybe what, what about you, Daniel? Uh, your, your motivations as a hearbat and what you yourself uh, can contribute as a hearbat to the listeners out there? Uh, I think for me, because um, I'm a uh, counselor in training, right? Um, so I, I was actually roped in by Hern Ping uh, because we're classmates in the course that we're taking. Um, so for me, I'm very drawn to um, CBT, so the uh, Cognitive Behavioural Therapies. Uh, there's so many types. I, I was very drawn to them because I feel that um, people have, people can think, right? They have the cognitive ability to think for themselves. So sometimes I, I feel that a lot of my problems uh, have to do with uh, how I how I think, how I perceive things. And I kind of extrapolate that, that to, to other people and start to see a, a pattern like people tend to have, um, like for example, uh, body image issues, right? So uh, for me, how I like to help other people through being a hero, but is, you know, um, try to sh- uh, like let them see their, their blind spot, like what your, your your own perception of yourself and the world, how that is kind of, uh, uh, it forms a twisted image of, of how you see things versus how they really are. So this is kind of my, my objective. Yeah. All right. Uh, then what about you, Hanping? Hmm. I think my motivation to be a hearbud actually comes from a sort of past version of myself um, where, you know, even though I had friends, even though I had families to talk to, felt very isolated still because, you know, the struggles I was, I was going through wasn't something I could easily share with them because I know what the kind of answers they might like, give is, give our, you know, exactly what Pam talked about, um, kind of like, you know, this 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 too shall pass kind of, kind of thing. Um and I realized that, you know, I, I managed to find someone to really be able to talk to. Uh, it was just a, just an older person um, who, who was a good friend. Um, and he was able to just give me a really, really empathetic listening ear. Just, just you know, withheld all judgment and just listen to what, what was going on in my life, you know, without giving any advice and stuff like that. And he just encouraged me to come up with my own solution. Um, and I think sort of replicating that to what we do as here, but... Um, it's about presenting people with this very trustworthy person who, who all of us we, tr- we try and aim to be, um, so that they can they can sort of leave aside you know all their defense all the defenses you know the egos and things like that and talking, and just really op- open up to us. Okay, yeah. so so what I hear from the three of you, there's one common thing, which is empathy. So I, I believe is that a trait to be a here, but maybe Hanping, uh, can you? Uh, tell me more about that. Yep, yep. I think absolutely empathy is like one of the core traits uh, because it's about putting yourself in the shoes of other people. And if we, if we can't even do that in the first place, it's, it's going to be a struggle for us to understand or really uh, be, be a part of their lives. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, all right. So, so ladies and gentlemen, uh, I'm actually a here about myself. So I, I, I've gone through the website and actually read some uh, quotes or, or some description about the... Uh, why you are here but so maybe I go to Daniel mm-hmm. because Daniel said that uh, he has lived an experience of being a gender fluid individual mm-hmm. 
Growing up as a gender non-conforming child, I had my share of verbal and physical abuse mm. from people who were conditioned to believe that gender and sexuality are anything but fluid. So maybe, uh, Daniel, maybe you can explore with me. What does it mean by a gender fluid? Uh, gender fluidity, it it kind of just means, um, well, it's not just, uh, I mean, it, it covers so much, right? But basically what we need to understand is um, breaking out of the uh, binary form of, of gender. Because uh, up till... Up to now, I'd say, um, very recent years, people are still, you know, are sticking to this uh, binary form of binary understanding of, of gender. So you're either male or you're female, right? So this is very detrimental because you have a lot of like uh, preconceived preconceived um, gender expectations for 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 um, every person. So if you're born a boy, you're expected to, you know, behave like a boy. You're supposed to like certain things that are boy-related. But if you're a girl, there are certain expectations for you as well. Expectations kind of um, build up barriers uh, for people to get in touch with themselves. So back to your question, what is gender fluidity? So it basically means breaking down all these barriers to understanding that um, sexuality and gender can be very fluid. Like you can be, you can feel like you're non-binary, uh, you know, at this point in your life. And then later on, slowly you embrace, you know, uh, you know, certain sides, you know, your masculinity or femininity. So it, it, it's, it's not a constant thing. So that, that to me, that's what gender fluidity is. I see. Mm, yeah. So, so for, for you, uh, maybe I, I, I just, uh, if, if it's, it's okay for you to answer me, so right now, where do you stand? Are, are you like uh, more towards uh, masculinity or femininity, or how 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 do you sway? Wow. Okay, that's a great question. Yeah, because for for me, I I just feel that uh, my sexuality and and gender identity has uh, has shifted. Um, so I'm 34 this year. Uh, so throughout my 34 years of you know being alive, uh, I started off as uh, a very effeminate boy. <laughs> I was a middle child. I have an elder brother and younger sister, so I was I was quite campy when I was growing up in my hometown, right? Uh, so so much so that I I, I was uh, the victim of you know just verbal abuse. I have female students when I was in primary school. I still remember very vividly. We were on the third floor of my uh, of my school uh, building. I was in primary five, and then this fellow primary five girl started calling me, "Hey, bapo." Epondan, you know, uh, very strong words, you know. Uh, I remember feeling very down about it. It's like I, I feel verbally abused. Because of this, I kind of built up a, a resilience toward that and started to embrace my um, my uh, femininity, I would say. Yeah, so throughout secondary school, you know, things happen. Like teenagers, they, they, they tend have this tendency to conform to other people. So I became a bit more... Uh, um, how do you call that? Conventional for a while, and then up till when I started college, yeah, that's that's when things started blooming for me. I became uh, very um, kind of comfortable with with my with myself. So right now, I I'm embracing my masculinity uh, masculinity a bit more. So I'm working out a little bit more, putting on more mas uh, muscle mass, and dressing a little bit more masculinely as well. I think, yeah. So okay. that's my transition. All right, that that's the. Uh, <laughs> it's fine. I think I think 
in any, any way you sway, I think it's uh, at, the, at the end of the day, it's about how we, we view ourselves and how we feel confident yeah. of, uh, of being which way we, we sway at, right? Yeah. So um, maybe just one last question uh, for you on, on this uh, gender fluidity. So what kind of clothes do gender fluid people wear actually? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, that, that's, uh, well, there, there isn't a set kind of like when you talk about, you know, the, the classic American guy, maybe, you know, he'll be wearing Gap pants or, you know, like checkered shirts and whatnot. There, there isn't a, a, a look like a, you know, a menu to choose from. <laughs> so I, I'd say for gender fluid people who people who identify as non-binary, there are so many ways they can dress themselves. Uh, for, for myself, I'm comfortable in, in just a flowy piece of, you know, pants, uh, which I'm not wearing today. But there was once I, I wore it to school uh, because I teach at a music center, right? I wore it to school and I, I bent down to pick up something and a fellow teacher saw me. I was like, Teacher Daniel. I hate the word teacher. Like. So, Daniel, <laughs> you're, you're wearing a skirt. <laughs> I was like, uh, that's not a skirt. So I, I stood up. So I, I showed there was a slit. It, not a slit. Um, what do you call that? Like, it, it's a pair of pants. Mm. It's just very flowy. A lot of fabric. That's it. Uh. <laughs> so it's not a skirt. I was like, no, 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 no. I don't, I don't mean that way. I mean, you you look nice in there. La, la, la. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm not wearing a skirt. It's in a pair of pants. Even if I did wear a skirt, I don't see, you know, if there's anything wrong with it. All right. Yeah, yeah I agree mm -hmm. with you. Mm -hmm. So uh, maybe now moving on to Pam. Uh, okay, I, I read that you have struggled with uh, mental health issues during your burnout, okay? Um, and you are fortunate enough to receive support when you most needed it. So uh, maybe tell us more about this burnout that you experienced, Pam. Mm, almost one year ago, in November, December, last year in 2020, I experienced uh, a burnout. I believe it was due to me being a new mother, um, having new responsibility, the, um, the changes in like uh, the work from home and also the demands from, you know, companies uh, during this period where, you know, they need to work from home, but uh, they still require the same demands from you in terms of your contribution. So it was quite a tough year for me, 2020. I gave birth uh, to my son in October 2019. I took, uh, you know, four months maternity. And when I came back to work in February last year, yeah, it was like the start of the pandemic. So I remember like, you know, looking forward to go back to office, you know, to, you know, kind of like meet my colleagues again and all. And then, bam, like, okay, we are being told to actually work from home. So um, I think all these changes really took a toll of, on me unknowingly I didn't know I, I for me at that point of time I was just doing 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 what you know I, I needed to do definitely I, I didn't feel good I was constantly anxious I'm always very stressed out work was really demanding because uh, now that uh, you know you're doing the commute you, you have meetings like 9am all the way until 5pm or even 6 because yeah you can because you are, you are at home I, I really struggled with that but then I see everyone doing it. So I'm like, okay, I guess, you know, I just have to suck it up. And then on top of that, I have my my new newborn, my toddler. I found that I, I couldn't enjoy that period of being a new mom because I was so stressed about my job that I couldn't be present with my son and my family, actually. I, I wake up every morning thinking about work, like anxious to like get into the, the first meeting. By thinking about what, what what's going to happen the next day again, like, you know, work-wise, okay, like, there's this meeting, like, what I need to prepare and all. 
the triggering point was um, there was one evening. I ended my meeting, rushed to pick my son. And then we came back, prepared dinner. And then um, I was bathing him. And I remember I was thinking about, okay, you know, uh, that's that email that needs to be sent. You know, that, that, that next day I need to do this or I need to finish up this email. That I didn't realise that uh, I actually turned on the hot water. Yeah, as in the water was hot. Mm. And then when he actually went into the bathtub because he saw the water fill, he was crying like, ah! And I'm like, oh, what, what happened? What happened? And I look at him and he was like all red, you know? And then it was at that moment, I'm like, oh my God, what am I doing? Yeah, it was a wake-up call for me <laughs> that I can't be living like this anymore. Yeah, because it's, it's affecting not just me, but uh, my son and uh, my, my, my family. I remember I had a friend who went through kind of like a similar, uh, similar experience with me where she struggled with like uh, work and uh, motherhood. She told me she talked to a counsellor and she seek help and she's better now. And I reached out to her. She referred uh, me to her, her counsellor and I had like three sessions with him where I talked about, you know, what I was going through. It was like the turning point for me, I think, at that point where I was able to share everything I was going through, my struggles, and then have him actually understand what I was going through to validate that. I felt like, hey, you know, I, I don't have to struggle. I'm actually quite strong. I'm not as weak as I perceive myself to be because... You know, when you were struggling, you just think you just think that, oh, you're so weak. You know, other moms can do it. Why can't you do it? You know, they are, yeah, they, they seem to be handling it well. But um, yeah, that's, that's the point where I start to change my mindset a little bit. I also start to think about what's important in my life. You know, what's the priorities in my life? And to me, it's obviously my child and my family. Yeah. But then again, what I'm doing is uh, not showing it. Yeah, I'm prioritizing... Uh, Anything but them, you know. I actually left um, uh, my job uh, in March this year to really take a break, um, you know, to just focus on my mental health and just, uh, yeah, like focus on my family. I thank my burnout because if it didn't happen, I would still be doing toiling, uh, you know, like uh, before. I had such a great understanding of myself right now. That's also why um, I really want to pay it forward. I know there are people who are struggling. They probably thought that, um, yeah, they just have to suck it up because this is what everyone is telling them and what they are seeing, yeah. But um, no, they are not. They are not alone. It's in, um, I went through it. I, I know how it feels. So um, I hope I can be there to support them. Yeah. Mm. Okay. It's, it's kind of brief uh, for you to actually uh, sort of speak to someone about um, your, your burnout. So I, I applaud you for doing that. Uh, and I, I believe, um, you know, those people out there, I, I, those who are having this burnout or all the other issues like mental health issues, I think it's good that, uh, you know, they start off with talking to somebody. Mm. So I believe that is also the, 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 the motivation that we have here to speak about it all starts here that the listening platform so so you thank you Pam for for sharing oh. that uh, with us and uh, you know because I, I think you have already uh, checked all the questions that I want to ask by your answers earlier so I think uh, I'll just now move on to <laughs> to Han Ping <laughs> so maybe Han Ping you, you you mentioned earlier that uh, your early uh, life early part of your life it's uh kind of uh, sad 
because you are you are you are suffering from you know mental illness. So uh, maybe tell us more, Hanping, about your early years. Okay, sure. Um, so for me, like actually, mental illness experience started very young. Um, what happened was actually my mom passed away when I was five. Uh, I had a brother then. Uh, he was about two years old, and a dad. My dad was actually working full time. So her passing was very sudden. So she was diagnosed with late stage cancer and kind of passed away three months later. So it was very fast from like, you know, um, suddenly we're spending a lot of time in hospitals and then suddenly one day she was gone uh, very quickly. And I'm sure my dad himself went through a lot of grief, right? I mean, his wife passed away when we were just young kids. So for us, I think it wasn't explained to us really what happened and what, what death meant and I think what happened afterwards was that slowly there, there seemed to be some kind of emptiness growing in our lives, the emptiness of what you know a mother figure was, um, and emotionally, in some way as a child, uh, sort of developed differently from the other other kids uh, who had sort sort of a more secure parent base. Um, so for me, I think looking back as a child, probably suffered something like you know, uh, child depression child grief, and just wasn't really targeted until much later. And later being when I became a youth, I was, you know, went through a lot of periods of sadness, as well as emotional turbulence, a lot of anger, a lot of outbursts, especially when related to relationships, whether friendships or like romantic ones. Um, I think it was around 19 years old when, you know, my dad actually took, took me to see a psychiatrist for the first time. And it was there kind of diagnosed with like depression, anxiety and borderline personality disorder. So like, I don't know if you guys are familiar with borderline personality disorder, but it's actually born out of a uh, fear of abandonment. So connecting back to like, you know, my mom's passing, um, her passing really left a hole in us. This sudden intense abandonment that happened um, just led to really irrational fears of abandonment in all my other relationships. And that made it very hard for me to connect with other people at an emotional deep level. Okay, so so you said uh, at nineteen or from five to nineteen, mm. so you have been suffering this unknowingly. But then, um, you know, how long do you take to actually uh, recover? When when do, at a point of which point of time do you feel that you are recovering well? Yeah, I think nineteen onwards started seeing a psychiatrist, also seeing a psychologist, a clinical psychologist. So really doing some therapy work. I think, of course, it was ups and downs, a lot of ups and downs. Um, I think it took about, about four or five years because at 19, you know, I wasn't very serious about treatment as well. Uh, I was so used to this kind of experiences, right? Um, I thought it was just me. I couldn't understand it and didn't really... It took a while for me to really want to really treat therapy as a goal for myself and want to get better. Um, and I think what really helped also was, you know, sort of like the ther through the therapy itself, came to understand my own experiences a bit, connected, you know, my past to what's happening in the present at the time. Uh, understand how, like, how, you know, how my mom is passing, which I had actually been repressing for a number of years, the sort of feelings inside. Um, just came out again in different therapy sessions and started to really process that grief during the therapy. So after a while, when the grief was pro more processed, I managed to sort of open up myself to other relationships and I also saw like, it was at that point in time, I also saw like, you know, how how amazing therapy can be in terms of healing a person and sort of like wanted to be a psychologist myself. Lah. So I sort of fell into psychology in that way as well. 
and through the studies also just help me to understand myself better and it's been an ongoing recovery process lah. okay hmm. um it's it's actually uh, in in Asian context there's always this stigma hmm. about uh, seeing the psychiatrists or, or psychologists because uh, in in Asian context no people are worried about these labels you know when when uh when a parent sent you there so it was actually brave of your dad to bring you to a psychiatrist so so how do you feel uh of this uh stigma that people relate people going to psychiatrists as uh abnormal i think for me now right now of course i think absolutely that there's nothing wrong at all with seeing a psychiatrist right absolutely nothing in fact i think therapy should be normalized it's good for every single person uh, just to share their problems i think initially because like you know obviously the stigma has been has been reduced quite a lot across the years uh, but i think as a child you know it was hush hush for me i kept it inside i didn't tell people i was going to therapy i didn't tell people i had depression anxiety or borderline personality disorder like even my closest friend hide that away lah. um yeah i think in that way it contributed to a lot of the struggle the stigma right the stigma causes people to hide away their problems so so you know um i'm actually quite because i also read about this uh um borderline personality disorder and is there a difference between that with a full blown personality disorder hmm. so i think it is part of the full blown personality disorders lah um don't want to go into too much detail but there are a few clusters of personality disorders yeah borderline personality is one of them uh, as i mentioned like borderline personality well, what actually from my experience lah what It was a lot of emotional turbulence, a lot of this constant feeling of emptiness, um, sometimes a lot of suicidal thoughts. Mm. All right. So I do have a special place in my heart for people experiencing borderline personality disorder. Yeah. So you, you I, I heard also that um, personal, I, I, I shortened it at BPD, it's quite long. Yeah. Borderline personality disorder. So BPD, Uh, the people often have rocky relationships, both romantic and platonic, as what you have uh, mentioned earlier. But uh, I think I, I must applaud you. Look at you right now, happily married with two poor babies. So so what can you say about the statement about, you know, uh, that they should have, uh, people with suffering of BPD will uh, sort of uh, end up uh, suffering romantically and platonically? Hmm. I think that, yes, people, BPD can can create very rocky relationships, as you said, friendships and romantic ones. Um, like like I said earlier, lah, therapy was the one thing that helped me change. You know the way I saw relationships. I think Daniel as well talked about it. You know, um, there's a lot of biases in our mind. There's a lot of like, um, what's the word? Blind spots, right? Mm. Yeah, yeah. And uh, just addressing a lot of this therapy, a lot of these blind spots, especially like you know how my irrational perspectives of other people were helped a lot and it helped me to form you know as you said I'm happy married I have a wonderful wife so it can it can it can go away okay mm-hmm. good good um okay just just uh, one last question yeah. I, I I hear abandonment okay so let's say uh you has a you you have a Facebook account somebody unfriend you would that be called abandonment to you yeah that's definitely one of the triggers I mean Uh, it can be anything, like it can be any single sign just taken and blown out of proportion, right? Someone taking a while to reply, you feel like, oh, this person is ignoring me, no longer wants to be my friend, and then BPD makes your makes your thoughts spiral. 
Yeah. So so it's like a trigger point. Every little thing will be a trigger point for people with BPD. Yeah, very much. And it's very hard to live that way because must be. yeah, all the, all kinds of support goes out the window, right? Is rep- is replaced by mistrust. Mm. Mm. All right. So thanks, thank you, thank you, Dan. Uh, sorry, Hanping for for that. <laughs> so so I I have this question. Uh, the, your opinions about the mental health issues facing Singaporean, uh, right now about youth, adult, and seniors. So maybe one of you can, could take one age. Uh, maybe Pam. Maybe what can you tell us more about uh, the the adult face your opinion about adults. Uh, having mental health issues? I I do think that uh, the pandemic has really, um, you know, causes all this issue, mental health issue um, with uh, many, many adults. And yet there is a gap. We call it like the treatment gap lah, where um, people who are, you know, going through all this issue, they are not seeking help. Yeah, there's not uh, enough help or they are they are not they are not seeking help so they they kind of live with it it's it's very sad to know um to know that they don't have to go through this yeah really yeah so, so maybe uh maybe you can give us one advice for mm. for for in uh to 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 these people mm. how to overcome it is it the early intervention or, or maybe, I'm, I'm not sure mm. what what would you say about this um, i would say it starts with self awareness yeah that's uh being aware that something is not right, uh, some you know, like uh, it can be your body, it can be your body giving you like signs that okay, maybe you are in a meeting and you are starting to feel like giddy or uh, you are you know having anxiety, you cannot breathe, and so these are like your body's telling you like signs that hey, you know, uh, you you need to. Yeah, you need to, um, you know, look at uh, what's happening. You can't like keep going on. So, um, you know, look out for like signs like uh, that. Okay, you, 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 yeah, you need to take a break or you need to do something about it. Start with self-awareness. And once you have that self-awareness that something is not right, and then I think, yeah, the, the next step will be to do something about it. It can be taking a time off from work. It can be, you know, uh, seeking, you know, finding someone to talk to, uh, you know, your friends or your your family or, you know, just reaching out like to, to find help, like through counselling or therapy. Yeah. So I think it, it starts with self-awareness. That 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 is actually the first and most important step. Mm. All right. Uh, maybe uh, Daniel, mm-hmm. you could explore about the seniors. Ah, seniors. Uh, well, I'll have to start by um, by very briefly talk about my experience in because um, I used to work in a hospital, a public hospital, and especially in, um, uh, I was attached for how long was that? Six months, I think, in a geriatrics uh, ward. So I see a lot of um, elderly uh, who have uh, some form of mental health issues. Yeah, um, the the most common thing that I see is um, a sense that they're they are a burden to the family and they don't want to live anymore. <laughs> the way that Asian people are brought up, again, it's a kind of uh, toxic culture. Maybe I'm being very harsh, but I, I think that that's just how it is because as Asians, we are, we are told, you know, um, we don't say I love you 
often enough. We don't we don't praise or compliment our children often enough. So we show our love by being tough on them. Uh, tough on them. We call it tough love. Okay. That, that's called the Asian Asian parenting, right? But it's in a way it's kind of toxic because. We we tell our children, okay, uh, yeah, you did well. This uh, in your in your studies, this is what you you're supposed to do. Mm. You know, I'm not going to compliment you on that because that's what you're supposed to do. And then we kind of pass on this kind of um, parenting to our own children. And then when when we grow old, right, our children shows love through this way as well. Yeah, I do agree with you about this culture that we are inculcated with mm. since young because our parents uh, show love differently. Mm. Uh, yeah, so so for those listeners out there, so if you feel you know those younger listeners or, or if let's say you are uh, older, so maybe it's time to change, right? We have it's time to change. Maybe you should show more love to your children. Like uh, saying I love you, but I, I know it's kind of awkward to start. But I think it's uh, you must take baby steps, uh, you know, to to change. So do do start like that. I think at the end of the day, we 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 would be able to to sort of change this mentality. Yeah, right, Daniel. Yeah, yeah. Totally. Okay. So yeah, now let's move on to Hanping. So w- what do you think? Uh, your opinion about mental health issues among the youth? Hmm. Well, this year I actually saw a lot of, I mean, saw a few incidents uh, that were quite scary, right? The River Valley one, that was terrible. I mean, we still don't know what the reason is and stuff, so don't want to jump to conclusions there. But I think, gladly, at least, you know, mental health at the youth level is taking a bit of limelight, you know, some of the initiatives by the government and things like that. So, I I mean, I think we're all thankful uh, that that there's more recognition about the importance of youth mental health. Mm. I mean, for me, personal experience-wise, the callers I've had is up here, but oh, we currently only talk to 18-plus Singaporeans, uh, but hopefully we can reach out to youth as well. But talking to to some of the callers, you know, um, you realise that a lot of the problems actually start at the early developmental stage because that's where we are most impressionable, that's where we're most likely to conform to, to different social norms and things like that. So, for example, I'll give you a uh, talk to this sort of young working lady. Um, she actually experienced like bullying, you know, in secondary school. And that affected the way she grew up. But at the secondary school time, it was something she kept to herself, didn't want to seek help because she felt that was a bit of a sign of weakness. Mm. Yeah. But, you know, it, it does lead to a bit of, does lead to a bit of like difficulties in adulthood. Uh. Mm. Yeah. Especially how you relate to people. Um, I think in that sense, I really hope that we are able to reach youths at a, at a younger age because the earlier we help them, the more likely they'll have a stable environment to grow up in. Um, you know, especially when I shared my experience earlier, I wish I, you know, sort of like saw some kind of therapist earlier on too. Mm. Okay. Um, you know, you, you talk, talking about youth, you, you think um, the, the government is doing a lot uh, or, or reaching out to parents uh, more uh, due to these uh, incidents uh, which is happening right now? Hmm, to parents, um, actually, th- to be honest, that one I'm not too sure. But I, I know at least at the school level, it sounds like they're doing, they're making a lot of, you know, changes, right? Uh, at least suggesting some initiatives, uh, getting more counsellors into schools and such, such things. Yeah. Pam, you want to add something? Um, just, you know, riding on to what Daniel earlier shared about, like, you know, the Asian parenting, you know, like the tough love. Actually, I was, I, I am a byproduct of this kind, uh, this tough love. You know, um, my yeah. mom brought me up this way. 
we're, we're not in a culture of like sharing weaknesses or failures, you know, because I think in that generation, they don't, they, they work really hard and they don't complain, you know. So I was like reading up about some of the, the interviews, when they interview youths, they try to share with the parent, but the parent will, you know, often dismiss them, say, you know, uh, why are you stressed? You don't even need to work. You are just studying, you know. What's that to be stressed, you know? Or like, ah, there's no such thing as stress. Lah. I think you're overthinking. And then, and yeah, like, uh, and that caused, you know, the youth to, uh, like many youth to stop reaching out to their parent. And then they reach out to, I don't know, social media, which is not helping as well. Government, you know, like initiative aside, I think parents have to really look at how they are supporting, you know, their their children. I, I agree with you because yeah. uh, being a parent of three uh, with two youth and, and, and one uh, nine-year-old, I believe uh, open communication mm. is uh, very important mm. because this is where your children get the trust from. Mm. Like, uh, you know, so that they, they don't do things behind our back. So if let's say, uh, uh, I got a 17-year-old girl, so I, I don't keep broaching on the subject, hey, you got boyfriend or not? You got boyfriend or not? So, so if, if, the, if, we, if you have an open communication, I believe the child itself uh, or himself or herself will come to us and then tell us all these things. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the day, the open communication is key uh, for, for, for a parent and child to, to, to bond with. Mm. You right? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so this is the second last question I'm going to ask all of you. Um, you know, this podcast is called The Label Life Podcast Series. So as someone who used to be labeled, you know, like like uh, like uh, Daniel said, somebody from uh, his class from primary five. Bapa! Bapa! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's kind of cruel. So, so, so what can you say, Danny? Maybe you, uh, what can you say about this title of the podcast? Is it apt or, you know, your thoughts? My thoughts, um, as derogatory as it sounds, uh, I think I, I grew to embrace it. I think it's it's almost like because um, I identify as uh, homosexual, right? I'm a gay man, um, so I I just feel that um, there there are certain things that you need to be proud of. Like there's nothing wrong with you. Like uh, people will throw things like this. Just happens to be my sexual identity. So it's it's not uh, the huge part of me. Uh, I I wouldn't want people to say, oh Daniel, the gay one, no, you know, it's not it's not all of me. It's just part of me. So I just feel that um, if you give me that label, I'll just wear it proud, but it's not It's not all. Uh, it's How do I do this, huh? Humping? <laughs> How do I put this in a, in a, in a, in a uh, congruent statement? Um, it's, it's, it's only a part of me. So I would say um, labels aside, uh, it's not my identity. Yeah. Is it a bit like personality? It's just one aspect of. Your it's just one aspect yeah. of me. Yeah, it's it's not the complete me. So I'm, I'm an amalgamation of so many things. But this is just a part of me. So yeah, sure, give me a label. But you know, beneath that, there are so many other labels, right? I'm so much more than just that one thing. And then yeah. Daniel can be very sassy sometimes. Yes, I I can be, and her pain is always at the receiving end. Mm. He seems to enjoy it. <laughs> I remember. I remember the quote which you. you I think Daniel quoted uh, RuPaul. What was that? 
uh, if you're not gonna love yourself, how, how the hell are you gonna love somebody, somebody else? else? Yes, yeah. that's right. Uh, can I get an amen? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So maybe you, Pam. Uh, you know, you you suffer from burnout. Do people call you names or, or do you people label you? No, actually, I am the one labeling myself. I think. Yeah, I, you know, have uh, all sorts of like expectation for myself, trying to fit into different labels because that's how, you know, like uh, social media, you know, like uh, want us to see it, right? Okay, you need to be that mom, the entrepreneur mom, do it all mom, you know? Yeah, but it's not true because um, we don't have to fit into any labels out there. We, we don't have to. We are good enough just being by ourselves. In the imperfection, the what is all it all makes up to who we are, yeah. So we don't have to, you know, struggle to like fit into like certain norms or you know to fit into to yeah to to fit in certain norms. Then you really did a yeah you 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 are able to accept yourself for who you are, and uh, yeah. So so I'm I'm very happy to hear people who who are able to do that. Yeah, really, really. Yeah, I, I'm still. Sometimes I still struggle with this myself when I see, you know, friends while wow, like uh, achieving certain things. I'm like, oh, then where am I? Like, you know, should I be, you know, sh- she's at that age and she's able to achieve this. Should I be, you know, so I, you tend to like measure yourself uh, against others. But but then, yeah, you tell yourself, you know, uh, as long as uh, you are true to yourself, you are, <laughs> you know, you you are, um, you know, you, you are happy, you know, with who you are, then that's what's most important. Like all these norms that doesn't matter. Yeah. All right, great. And uh, lastly, maybe Hanping, you want to add something about this uh, label thing? Like, you know, have you been called derogatory? Uh, you know, people have called the remarks on you? Mm. So like Pam, I think not so much from other people, but from myself, especially this diagnostic label, right? Mm. When I first heard the term, oh, you might have borderline personalities, or I was like, what? what's, a, what's that? What's a borderline human Am I human or something? <laughs> I'm not sure. So, so that part, right, it comes with a lot of anxiety. I'm sure people who are being diagnosed with certain things like, you know, depression, anxiety, or like, you know, bipolar, things like that, it can it can come with a lot of like fears about what's going on. Yeah. Um, on the flip side, I guess it also helps because it helps to explain some of the things that's happening. As Daniel Pam said, it's just one aspect of who you are, right? It's something you're going through temporarily even though that temporary can be quite long sometimes. But, you know, it, it's like after a while, at least for me, I started to recognize that, oh, these are actually the signs and symptoms. There's a certain set of ways to get better um, because like all illnesses, there's some kind of treatment. And I think, it, you know, when you when you get better, you share that label and that label is just a single part of who you are. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's only one part of your journey, right? The rest of your journey is going to be amazing, except for Daniel's. <laughs> you just had to add that. Yeah. He's more glamorous. He's going to be, his journey yeah. going to be fabulous. <laughs> okay, so so maybe before we end, uh, you know, being true to the roots of Funky Fridays with Bo, um, I usually ask my guest, okay, no, uh, this is a kind of a lifestyle podcast. So usually I ask my guest what uh, you guys do on a Friday night. So let's say we, we, we put aside pandemic. So what what do you do? Maybe uh, hunting on a Friday night. Mm, usually out with a friend and my wife, or a few friends with my wife, uh, having some beers. Ah, so you, you we miss that, right? Miss? Oh, is it? Oh, okay. <laughs> Did that last week? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not missing out. It's yeah. not missing out, eh? 
Okay. Yeah, yes. Yeah. So, so what about you, Pam? Um. So for Friday, likewise with pumping, I I like to uh meet up with friends, yeah, or just um you know go for a night out with my uh husband. You know, just drinks or movies. I don't know, like I haven't been to the movies since the, the COVID. <laughs> but yeah, I, I like to socialize, you know, like on, on Friday. Yeah. Mm. All right. So so uh, this one must be fabulous. Daniel. <laughs> yeah, always alcohol involved. <laughs> <laughs> so I meet, yeah, I meet up with friends at, at, at bars or bistros and whatnot. You know, spend a nice evening. Yeah, that's what I normally do. Mm. All right. So, okay, guys. So before we end, uh, maybe I, I would like to sum up our discussion about this, uh, you know, about living the labelled life. You know, to me, labels are actually black and white. Yeah. Um, but the world is more complicated than that. Um, your identity, like 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 what Daniel said, uh, is not composed of one label. It's just part of it. And you are a sum of a many different aspects of your personality and experience that come together to form a unique person like every one of you. So uh, labels actually don't run your life. Mm. I, I believe labels don't run our life. And labels actually put you in a box, but it can be in a good way like uh, what uh, um, Ping said, if uh, for, for medical benefits, you know exactly what to expect of uh, being this kind of label. So you know the treatment that you have to go through. So it's kind of good and bad as pros and cons of being a, uh, to have a label. But I think uh, you can actually open that box. Uh, although it's in a box, you can open that box and break free. And I believe, guys, uh, let's move beyond the label, right? And, and see how each and uh, every one of us reach our true potential. So I think everyone will reach our own true potential. So I guess we just need to break free from that label. And I thank uh, all of you today, Han Ping, Pam and Daniel, for sharing your journey with us today. And I hope um, for those listeners out there uh, who will be listening to this podcast uh, next week, because I, I, we're going to publish uh, uh, this uh, podcast next week. Uh, uh, and if they are listening in and if they need help, there's always here buts here. And you could uh, actually go into our website, www.itallstartshere, H-E-A-R, dot sg mm. right yep. so um yeah before we end everything is there anything uh last words from hunting pam daniel talk to us <laughs> yep <laughs> we'll hear you out yep so yeah so guys thank you very much um thank you thank you thank for you. coming yeah. and thank you everyone out there who will be watching this uh and don't forget our kickoff episode. Uh, uh, no, sorry, not our kickoff episode. This episode, which will be coming in uh, next week, mm -hmm. and uh, we also have uh, the next the, a few episodes of uh, journeys with people living the labelled life. So um, stay tuned, and thank you very much. Magic Bow out. Thank you. Thank you, Haki. guys. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye. All right. Thanks. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Labelled Life Podcast, a podcast by eallstartshere.sg. You can follow eallstartshere.sg on our Instagram and Facebook. And remember, our earbuds are always here for you if you need a listening ear.